butter with that, a movies podcast hosted by a couple of friends from Philadelphia. Wow. See, it's harder than you think, folks. It's harder than you think. Cool. Well, now you know what kind of bar we're working from. Anyway, I'm Sam. I'm here with my co-hosts, Christine, Tori, Connor, and Dave. And we are sort of wrapping up our month about superheroes. We forget to say our name a lot. Is that bad? It, you know, most of the people who listen are our friends and family. True. Shout out to friends and family. Yeah, go, go bless. Yeah, you, love you. you keep us going. <laughs> you really, you truly do. Speaking of shout outs, I think we have some. We certainly do. Look at that transition, Boom. Connor. Bam. So, um, what was it even to? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. What a Behind day. the curtain. Behind the curtain. Anyway, so we have a. Two shout outs for people who guessed Connor's movie by the little um, Abe Sapien's hand holding like a can of soda. That beautiful hand. That fish yeah. man. I love that fish man. Mm, anyway, so that beautiful. just some, some fishy chest stuff, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so thank you to our friends Diana and Misty for guessing the movie. Good um, eye. yeah, good eye. Misty, you guessed it with emojis, so I was just <laughs> like, okay. Oh my god, I didn't even notice. Did she, she did. Oh, that's so I good. Was like, Incredible. Oh, so, yeah. what was her emoji representation of the answer? Oh, it was definitely I think a fire emoji and then devil emoji. So nice. I was like, nah, she got yes. it. Oh boy. I'll give it to you. You understand. You got it. You got it. And Diana, a, a loyal listener, I'm so glad that we are finally shouting you out because Yay, bless. Diana. Yay. Woo. So before we actually roll straight into the episode. How's everybody doing? Have you seen any movies lately? What's going Avengers on? Avengers Endgame comes out so soon. God, I know. I know Garrett's seeing it tomorrow. <sighs> what a jerk. You better not spoil it. Uh, please Will that don't. be out at the time that this episode has aired? Mm, yes, it yes. Be. Yeah, because okay. it's coming out. As of this recording in like a few days. Yeah. So I'm terrified about it. I saw a spoiler. I don't I, say it. I, it is. I wow. Your whole your hair just did the weirdest thing. You got so upset. I didn't ask for it. It was just on my Instagram dash. I was so mad. I threw my phone down. But it's okay. It was nothing major. But it was enough to, for me to be like, son of a bitch. Be really mad about it. <laughs> Ant Man somewhere purple. I don't know. Ant Man is a Thanos butt confirmed. They call it Thanos. <laughs> oh my god! Listen, if someone does not make an endgame porno that has that in it, like you're doing the porn Why game wrong. Why did you say that as I was swallowing yeah. beer? I didn't know. <laughs> wow. Whew. Well, anyway. Wow. I saw an amazing Sorry. movie. What did you see? Um, I saw Amazing Grace, the Aretha Franklin documentary. Oh, it wow. was, I think, I blasted into oh, nice. space <laughs> and then was returned back softly in a choir of angels. It was, it was unbelievable. Like if you get a chance to see it, it's it's original footage of a. Uh, show or a concert that she put on in a church mission uh baptist church in los angeles after already after she had achieved fame and uh notoriety and had won a bunch of awards Uh, and then in 1971 she was like all right going back to my gospel roots gonna put on a show uh and it's just all footage of that one concert and it is 
she is oh, a force to be reckoned with. And it's just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So go see it. I'm trying to think of other stuff I saw. Oh, I saw a movie called Trog from 1970. Ooh. It was Joan Crawford's last movie. Hmm. Uh, it's about, uh, like, you know, a troglodyte that they find in a cave in England somewhere. And he's the mis- missing link. The troglodyte. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So he's like a caveman. So it's basically a dude wearing a mask the whole movie. Um, It was not great, but Joan Crawford's really good. She kind of wears like pajama scientist outfits the whole time. She has a dress that has like a pouch (gasps) pocket thing in the front, which like... Yeah. yeah. If you're a scientist, you need mobility. Yes. And you need a place to yes. put things. You need sure. storage, 100%. So, yeah. <laughs> More storage in all outfits. Yes. Moving forward. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Pockets anywhere you can put them. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, did I, because I watched this recently and you mentioned in the last episode, did I mention the uh, Mecha Godzilla story, like his origin mm-hmm. story? Okay, so Mechagodzilla is built out of the bones of the 1950s Godzilla, and then they just, like, do some bioengineering shit to, like, make him good, but then he hears Godzilla's roar and is, like, has, like, I don't know, like, PTSD flashbacks of being Godzilla and then starts destroying stuff again. Anyway... It's, I didn't realize that's how crazy that, like, was. How it, like, they just find his bones and bring him back, which also means that other Godzillas just pop up in this world for some reason. But, um, it's been real interesting. My, um, yeah, watching a lot of Godzilla movies that are, like, loosely connected, and sometimes he's good and sometimes he's bad, but all the time they're just like, and we'll have this monster fight another monster and see what, what happens and hopefully we'll be saved. Um, yeah, it's been doing weird things to my brain, I think. Here's the thing. Godzilla is always number one in my heart, so whether he's good or bad doesn't matter. I know, it's true. I, I have seen the Godzilla trailer several times now, because I feel like I've been going to the movies a lot. I've been seeing a lot of 2019 movies, which I'm really stoked about, um, but I realize I get emotional when the Godzilla movie like pops up because I'm so excited about him and like I love Mothra. So anytime I see Mothra and like hear the little like screechy like noise that she makes, I just like get very overwhelmed and excited. So yeah. There's some there's some more Godzilla movies that I think we might be watching maybe tonight. So we'll see. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I saw Free Solo, the documentary that won Best Documentary. But the guy who climbed El Capitan in Yosemite without any climbing gear or anything, just with the shoes and his hands and his heart full of dreams. Mm. And it was actually the climbing aspect was maybe like the least interesting part of it, because that's the last like 15, 20 minutes of it. The rest of the like hour it's is the about fact that he's crazy. <laughs> is that in like the psychology of like, who are yeah. these people that do these? They do a cat scan of them and they show him images that would like stimulate like a normal person. And then he's like, you aren't stimulated by any of these. Your brain's like quiet during these like normal like recreational activities like the only time that your brain lights up with activity is during extreme events Mm. Uh, he talks about how his parents never said they loved him and like he learned how to hug when he was 23 years old and in college like he'd never hugged anyone before so it was just like a really interesting portrayal of him and trying to navigate this relationship. Like the first time he's that's ever sad, been in a but romantic. I also just think that's so funny. <laughs> it's like it was a great hugging tutorial at school. Like what? <laughs> but like 
no one ever like went in for one until you were 23. Like maybe your parents were like weird and frigid, but like no one else in your life was like, hey. He was too. Or do you like push him away or like punch him or something? And he, I don't know. He was I too busy climbing those mountains. Well, the other thing he is, he started was, very young. Yeah, someone goes in for a hug and he's like up in a tree. Yeah, he's like <laughs> a second, split second later, he's like against the mountain. Uh, okay, I like that. Uh, free solo. It's on Hulu. Real good. I feel like I had deja vu the whole time you were talking about that. Have we have we talked about this movie before? Or? I've talked about it at work. Mm, maybe. Okay. Well, anyway. And I saw Into the Spider-Verse for a second time on Blu-ray. And it's still amazing. Five mm. out of five. Favorite movie. I listen to that soundtrack a lot. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. The Prowler music. Yeah. Uh, speaking of deja vu, something we did already talk about was, be, uh, be, uh, was it Beyond the Curve? Beyond the Curve. The, behind, uh, behind the Curve? Oh, did you watch it? Behind the Curve. Yeah. The... Uh, what was that? The Netflix, um, the Netflix documentary surrounding the uh, the flat Earth movement. Um, um, it was interesting. It was kind of more or less what I expected. It's kind of like more about the people and the culture and the conventions therein. It doesn't really get too much into like their reasoning behind it, which I have done some research on, which is real interesting. But like you know, of course. It is what it is. It's like but look like, at how weird no, these people are. No, one thing that comes away from that doc is the more research you do. Sure, and I understand that that's in. the rabbit hole and so on, but like, I wish they talked more about like vortex math, which is like a math that they've like basically created that's invalid math that explains a lot of these things. Mm. And like, I don't know, it's really interesting. God, crazy people okay are movie. scary. Mm-hmm. The rabbit hole I've been kind of down with Game of Thrones coming back, you know, on with season eight is the Game of Thrones community and the flat earther community are so similar in how <laughs> Wait, they really? what? in terms of like There's overlap? so many channels have like. two, three, four hour live streams talking about theories and theory crafting and there's different camps of who thinks of like what characters are going to do what and how the story's going to end and book versus show canon. I mean the way that those two communities interact with the people in that world are so similar that it's it's incredibly fascinating. Of course, the Game of Thrones people know they're talking about a fictional world. <laughs> when the Flat Earther people... Oh, they don't think Jon Snow is a real person? Some probably do. No. But, Somebody does. Uh, so it's just been really fascinating. And I'm going through the books right now. So it's just interesting kind of like being in that Game of Thrones world. But wow, this is like a little bit what it's like to be in Flat Earther culture. Of just like watching live streams. And it's just super fascinating. I want to know... I want to look at that Venn diagram. I want to know where the overlap <laughs> is. The Game of Thrones love for and the flat earth. Oh, I saw a really good <laughs> Venn diagram that was um, people named Stark and people who are going to die this week. <laughs> <laughs> mm. That was great. <laughs> you know who is going to die, though? Captain America. I'd rather not talk about this. Um, anyway, that's why I'm so glad I picked this movie. Um, cool. Well, then let's get right into it. Um, the movie I have chosen for Superhero Month is Captain America Winter Soldier. The best movie Marvel has ever done, in my perspective. Um, and in others. And in others. So, <laughs> fantastic. Um, so, this movie was directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. They've done Captain America Civil War. They've also done Infinity War and Upcoming Endgame. It was huh. written by Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, who have done all the other Captain Americas and I think they've also done the most recent Avengers. They did Infinity War. They did Infinity War. And Endgame. 
and Endgame. So most recent in Avengers. Um, and a brief synopsis of Captain America, Steve Rogers, and this movie is a World War II hero who, after 70 years frozen in literal ice, returns into the fray, fighting aliens, gods, and pulling together an unlikely new team of incredible people. This movie picks up two years after the Battle for New York, which was Avengers 1, and finds Steve fitting into the 21st century, working full-time for S.H.I.E.L.D., riding his motorcycle around D.C., and picking up whatever pieces of his old life that he can while dealing with PTSD and depression. That's not necessarily canon. That's more fanon, but I think it's true. And um, Hydra, the the villain Cap gave his life to to defeat, is back. And this time it's more personal to Cap in his past than ever before. Um, right. I wrote that myself, <laughs> by the by. Song. That was great. Thank yeah, you. Great. I, I thought you like got that from a thing. That's wonderful. Nope. For a hot second, I thought you meant they were like he was fighting aliens in Winter Soldier. And I was like, wait, <laughs> am I missing something? I mean, maybe. Hydra's uh, actually aliens. Or like, what are they, the lizard people? Oh, wait, yeah. please let Hydra be lizard people. <laughs> um, so before they they announced that it was going to be Captain America Civil War, they were going to do Captain America, Ca- Captain America Serpent Society. That's what they said the third one was going to be. And then they were like, just kidding, it's Civil War. And everyone went, no. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> uh, um, so before I throw to the reviews and the trailers and everyone else i want to answer the question so why captain america and why this movie so for me a lot of people write off cap as being propaganda being blind patriotism and i think that's a very surface read of the character and a very uninformed read of who he is because i i think that captain america is basically the antithesis of that he's super like anti-establishment for the people kind of guy and then also sometimes people say that captain america is boring because he's not a billionaire playboy th- uh, philanthropist. He's not quippy. He's not quippy. Um, even Chris Evans in one of his interviews, I think it was for the first Avengers, he was like, ah, uh, you know, Cap has no reason to be in this fight. He's like, huh, you're flying up there. You're a god. You're using this like super suit and I'll just take the stairs. And I remember watching that interview and being like, Oh, I'm really disappointed that you think that. Because he's like a super being in a way, right? He is. He's 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 a. But super they also soldier. don't do him a ton of service in the first Avengers. They don't. They don't. I mean, like it, his interactions with Tony are very funny, and it's like very on the surface. Like, oh, you're like so like just cute and like adorable in America from the '40s, you know. But like. I feel like that's more like the writing of that movie than it is like that character. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that I think Chris Evans probably thinks something very different now because he's spent almost 10 years with Steve Rogers. But um, I think the the I'll take the stairs because I don't have anything like I'm not a god and I don't have the super suit is precisely why Captain America is so amazing because he is so human. Someone needs to take the stairs. So someone has to. My God. Um, (laughs) But I, I, I love that he is so I'll fight you if. Like, um, like one of the, the, the best kind of summaries is he believes in my country right or wrong. If right, to stay it. If wrong, to be put right. So he's like, I'm going to stand up for what's right no matter what. And he's – I don't personally think that he's boring. I think that um, 
Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus do a fantastic job writing for him. Joss Whedon did not. He did do Steve Rogers an incredible injustice. And I also think in the, the most recent Avengers movies, Marcus and McFeely, they didn't do great. First of all, Cap wasn't in there for very long. And by the way, when I'm also saying Avengers movies, I'm also talking about Civil War because mm. that was not a Captain America movie. Mm. Um, Avengers 2.5. Avengers 2.5. But I, I think that anytime Tony Stark is in the movie, all of their attention and effort goes to writing his one-liners and quips. And I understand like that's a really particular character and a strong character that people know. They look for that. But then it leaves some other characters really stuck out there that had such incredible development and incredible movies and it's not really doing them anything good. Um, Garrett mentioned something interesting the other day and I forget who he got it from or what article it was, but um, it was basically saying that uh, the Marvel Universe has a villain problem and like they don't have great villains mm -hmm. and someone like as a counterpoint said no their biggest problem is that they keep treating their greatest villain like he is a superhero and that's Tony Stark mm -hmm. um, which was a really Whoa. interesting perspective I thought holy shit and ever since like he mentioned that the other morning I've been thinking about that a lot because like I do like Tony Stark a lot mostly just because I like Robert Downey oh Jr. oh my god Robert Downey Jr. that's that's I think that's like it like that's Robert so Downey Jr. in general like since his comeback has been like fucking fantastic and is really like funny and great and whatever he does um but what tony stark stands for and honestly civil war wasn't a great movie but like i realized that more in that movie was like what he stands for is not really where like my ethics lie which is much more in like the cap camp mm -hmm. of things yeah oh that's such an interesting yeah oh, right oh my god i love thinking about yeah. that I'd like to find, like, where he got that from. Mm, yeah. So if there's, like, a larger article about I it. I want to ruminate on that a yeah. little bit more. I think that Marvel's biggest problem, and this is kind of going away from the point, but it's world building. I don't think that they've done a great job. The movies that. don't always look great either. That's, um, that's one thing that I have a problem with is the look, yeah. Someone did, like, this really interesting piece about, like, how they all have this, like, muted look to them and, like why they all look the same and why there isn't, like, diversity in those movies and how they look, too. Um, which I thought a lot about when I saw Shazam this, like, couple days ago. So I, I want to bring that up later, too. I think it's something that they're, they're working on. Because mm -hmm. if you think about Ragnarok... Um, Black Panther and Spider-Man Homecoming. I mm -hmm. think that they exceptions, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that, yeah. Well, I think what's important to think about, and I'm sure we'll be talking about, is like Joan Anthony Russo coming from this television background. Right, because they community did community. and Arrested Development. Um, going into like, this has sort of been the trend of like, take these indie filmmakers slash TV people mm -hmm. and giving them 170 $200 million yeah. to make the next big superhero movie. So I think it's, it's seeing their journey as filmmakers, I think is also really, because Infinity War, it feels such a different movie than Captain America Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting watching Winter Soldier, because this was, this was my favorite Marvel movie until Infinity War. And so it's interesting. I know, Tori, we were talking about, mm -hmm. like, what does Winter Soldier look like in a post-Ragnarok, post-Black Panther, post-Infinity War world? Just like we talked about with Hellboy, how does that exist in a post MCU kind of world? Mm. So I think that's a cool discussion that I'm curious to hear mm -hmm. people's thoughts on. Yeah, and we can absolutely get into that. So let's do it. Um, who did the trailer? Connor. Um, so I, I I probably saw this trailer back in college, but I did not really remember it. So it was cool to kind of look at it, especially after watching the movie again. 
Um, it opens with Black Widow asking Captain America, what's he doing on Friday night? And he's like, well, everybody in my barbershop quartet's dead, so <laughs> nothing. And then she's like, oh, I think Susan in accounting or whatever would, you know, if you asked her out. Wait, what is his range in the quartet? Is it, a, is it ever no. not? <laughs> no, no, he was making a joke. Honestly, that's joke. the biggest fucking plot hole in this whole movie. Yeah. I know, right? Biggest I, question. I secretly think Chris Evans can actually carry a tune. I secretly think that, but hmm. he's a talented man. He sure is. He looks like he could be like a boy band star. It's probably the alto, mm. for sure. Yeah, but he can carry that mid range real well. Yeah, I don't think he's a baritone. No, no. Anyway, <laughs> so everybody in his famed barbershop quartet is dead. So he says, you know, they're all dead, not doing anything. So oh, you should ask Susan or whoever in accounting out. And then he jumps out of an airplane and it's like, I don't like, cause she'll say, Oh, she'll probably say yes. And he's like, yeah, I know. So I'm going to jump out of an airplane and do my mission and beat up people. Um, the trailer does a great job of setting up that Robert Redford claimed actor. I think this is when the MCU starts getting mm-hmm. like real famous actors and like real, um, just like renowned, renowned. Actors. That's what I'm looking for. Renowned actors. Uh, Robert Redford. He's the Secretary of Defense. He runs the International Security Council, basically like Overseas Shield, saying that you know sometimes you have to tear down the old world to build a better world. And with him running Shield, that's what he wants to do. Uh, it has great action highlights. Uh, shows the really intense hand-to-hand combat and the explosions that are going to be in there, and like the motorcycle action you were talking about. But it doesn't give away anything of like what the set pieces are really about. Just like quick moments to just show how brutal the action is going to be compared to Captain America: The First Avenger, um, which was I don't know the action of that movie was not the strongest point. I have a very big place in my heart for that movie. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't hold up to Winter Soldier, but it is. It's good. Um, they also did a lot of reworking of dialogue. So when Robert Redford, um, he in the trailer you see, you know, he's Captain America's doing action stuff, and he says, "You shaped the century. You've done a great service to America, mm. and I need you to do it again." But in the movie, he's talking to the Winter Soldier. Because spoiler alert, mm. ooh, he's Hydra. He's the head of That's Hydra. That's the way uh-huh. the trailer depicts so it. So in the trailer, it's um, he's on Cap. So I think that and then oh, interesting. Um, Nick Fury also says things that That's you think so are about good. Cap, but about other things. So it reminds me of the Russos years later filming fake scenes for the trailers for Infinity War and for Endgame. Oh wow! So it's just it's like interesting kind of seeing the antecedent of that, um, pre- you know, predecessor of that. Uh, what else? The trailer ends with Cap jumping out of a window and throwing the shield at the Winter Soldier, and the Winter Soldier catches it. He's like, bomb, and throws it back at him, and Cap, like, stumbles backward, just to show, like, this guy is a huge threat to Captain America. He's not just, like, a normal Hydra lackey. Mm-hmm. Um, I also tried to look up some marketing stuff, but I honestly could not find that much. Every time I Googled, like, Captain America Winter Soldier marketing, it always talked about Captain America Civil War, and basically how they cut Spider-Man from the trailer of that movie to surprise Everybody with a later trailer. Um, the trailer, though, for Winter Soldier did get 23.5 million views on YouTube. Wow. Um, they teased the movie with an un- with a damaged shield with, like, the paint chipping off and then Winter Soldier coming up on it. Uh, the budget was $177 million, and it made $714 million at the, U- at the total box office yeah. with 256 in North America. Uh, for comparison, Captain America Winter Soldier is now the believe the 12th highest grossing movie in the MCU. Wow. So just for perspective, that used to be number one, and then Guardians came along, Thor Ragnarok, Guardians 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Captain Marvel, Winter uh, Civil War, 
Iron Man 3, Black Panther, Avengers, So Age basically of every movie that comes after. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, then Avengers 2, Avengers 1 is at number 2, and then Infinity War made $2 billion at the box yeah. office. So Captain America will then probably be shot down to 13 once Avengers Endgame makes like $2.5 billion. And maybe the new Spider-Man. That is true. Yeah, that's coming out this summer too. So Winter Soldier's, I think, at this crossroads of sort of like the... the Rebirth's not the right word, but the MCU coming into its own right. post Avengers. Yeah, I can't understand how stressful it would be to like be a part of a MCU production. I feel like even just oh listening God. to you yeah. give me those numbers, like gives me anxiety about how every movie needs to one up the previous right, movie, exactly. and I'm like, this whole franchise is just going to explode because actors know they need to get be better than the previous movies. I'm sure directors, writers, producers are like, everything's got to be bigger, better, faster. <sighs> I think for some people, though, these movies are never going to be considered flops. Like, they'll just, they'll, right. people are just going to keep going. Uh, and then people it's get like the a money machine, to make the movies though. they want to make, too. I mean, it is a machine. With all these, like, independent kind of people that they keep hiring to direct them. Well, yeah. no, I think, I, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but I know, Tori, you've talked a lot about Elijah Wood with his Lord of the Rings money supporting independent movies. Mandy, mm-hmm. he's a producer on Mandy. I feel like the bubble's going to burst at some point and people are going to get tired of... After we saw Shazam the other day, that was a thing too where it's like they make like, you know, some DC references here and there, but there's no real attempt to tie it into the universe and I hope it stays that way Um, because I'm first off just fatigued with... I have Marvel fatigue is a big thing Um, and like I... But the other thing is too, like how sustainable is that? Like when we were walking back from the movie theater, we were both just like, well... If people are watching this years later, are they going to watch 20 movies to, like, get the full plot of all of them, you know, or, like, get the connection between all of them? Like, it doesn't seem totally sustainable for, like, future generations of, like, moviegoers, for sure. Captain Marvel did make a billion dollars at the box office, and that's, like, a fine movie. It's, in my opinion, it's not the best MCU movie. I agree. But the fact that, I mean, and Guardians proved this too, of just slap the Marvel logo on and have like a good trailer, solid direction. And even if your movie's okay, you can still really rake it in if you're doing something new. See, Captain Marvel, I thought was decent and seemed just as okay as many of the other Marvel Mm -hmm. movies. I do think though that there are movies that were special and watching them going, this is different. And I think Ragnarok was that. I think Black Panther, Spider-Man Homecoming. And what those movies have in common is that, well, first of all, diverse casting, diverse directing, and, and everything else that goes into producing a movie. But also, world building. Like, Spider-Man Homecoming, I thought, did a fantastic job of being like, yep, So the Battle of New York happened and now we cleaned up the city, but there's still all of this garbage left. People are selling it on the black market. Thank you for finally telling me Mm. what's going on. And they tried to do that in Civil War with like the Sokovia Accords, but it just didn't work. It was Mm. so forced that movie was not when it needed to. Like it, it just it wasn't the right time for Civil War. It just wasn't. It's interesting seeing the Netflix MCU shows. Yeah. The Netflix MCU shows and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. also trying to struggle with this, too. And ultimately, as much as I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's not the, you know, it has a few good it has a few good episodes every season, but ultimately struggles to fit into this canon. Yeah. I mean, 
Jessica Jones is amazing. I agree. Luke Cage, I thought was so good. Like, well, they and then they canceled it both of them. Well, no, I guess they didn't cancel too. Jessica Jones. They're, they're canceled, but it's like bigger corporate things. It's not like the shows, which is also shitty. They canceled it because the, Disney is creating its own streaming service, and so they wanted to cut contact and contracts with Netflix so they can bring it. And up Netflix to owns those versions of those characters. It's funny because yeah. like my. I haven't seen a lot of, like, I've seen Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther and now Winter Soldier and things like that. But, my like, I hadn't seen a lot of the Marvel movies. But, like, net, the Netflix shows was kind of, like, in many ways my for like, my emerging into this universe and being, like, these characters are awesome. I want to now, like, yeah. And then when I heard, yeah, they were canceling Luke Cage. And, I mean, they've only done two seasons of Jessica, Jessica Jones. And they're probably, right, not... Gonna... Three's coming out. Like, oh, is it? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, not to get too too off track, <laughs> even though we did. Um, so, thank you, Connor, for the trailer. Christine, reviews. Reviews. All right. So, overwhelmingly positive reviews for both from both critics and audiences. It got ninety percent of Rotten Tomatoes um, and had a ninety-two percent within the Rotten Tomatoes uh, of uh, audience reviews. Um, so way, way, way high up there of all the reviews that I read, uh, all many had praise for incorporating kind of thriller elements to the movie of the idea of you can't like trust no one and dynamic mm -hmm. and watching that unfold throughout the movie as far as Captain America trying to figure out, uh, like who can he trust and who can he not and trying to figure out who are sort of the um, the players at work who are creating destruction in this universe um, that falls outside of the simply sort of CGI battle after CGI battle dynamic that uh, I think we see in, in a lot of other uh, superhero movies. Praise definitely for really, really effective and tightly um, choreographed and uh, created uh, action sequences. Um, everyone mentions the chase sequence, the Fury chase sequence. Um, that's the, when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, and the most terrifying as well. Um, Mm, there's reviews that present Captain America as this sort of weary, disillusioned hero who questions and defies power structures in pursuit of what he sees as the right, the right thing. Um, and uh, I think that critics, at least the reviews that I read, kind of split on their views of Chris Evans' performance. Um, A.A. Dowd and the A.V. Club call really praises Evan's boyish vulnerability um, and how he, he he gives this sense of vulnerability in the character of Captain America. Um, he says a man whose outdated earnestness and Herculean Herculean aptitude for uh, aptitude have made him a kind of celebrity outcast, which I think is an interesting way of describing his character, whereas Manola Dargis in the New York Times calls his performance um, bland. She's, She's like wrong. character. Yeah, so <laughs> this idea of, like, blandly well-adjusted. Um, and the, bland, the word bland came up in another review as well, um, in this Vulture review. And I was like, what is this deal with this character being depicted as bland? And I did a little 
digging and there's this wonderful article that basically has a um, chronology of interviews with Chris Evans about his acting career and what are his, what are his thoughts about the movies that he's done? Uh, and then starting also, what are his, his thoughts about taking on this role of Captain America? And there's this wonderful vulnerability that Chris Evans himself presents in these interviews, um, admitting feelings of, anxiety, uh, feelings like he, that there are expectations put on him for what types of roles he should be playing. And once he signed on to being Captain America, this idea of this fear of being forever typecast as this sort of like what other mice others might perceive as this beefcake character when he he wants people to understand the nuances of characters that he plays and see his performances um as complex um and that showcase clearly the the work he puts into the to the roles and the movies that he does um instead of just sort of following these marching orders of what franchises tell him to do or um producers or agents and things like that are telling him to do so I thought that that was such an interesting insight, not only to Chris Evans, but also in a, a wonderful insight into the character of Captain America, somebody who's really trying to understand his relationship to people around him, to what he should be fighting for versus, or like what the sort of powers at be tell him he should be fighting for, yet what he feels in his gut he should be fighting for. Um, and I didn't see his performance in this movie at, at all as bland, but more as s this wonderful, sensitive, vulnerable character that's just trying to do good by the people that he cares about and also understand who can he not trust. Um, so that's kind of what I gleaned from the, the reviews. It makes me weepy. Thank no. you, Christine. <laughs> um, obviously, I should I should have started this off by saying I'm going to have no chill. And I'm totally <laughs> not uh, unbiased in, in this regard. So thank you, Christine, for that like really thoughtful review of not only Captain America, but also Chris Evans's performance. Um, I already went over the reasons why I picked this movie and why it's my favorite. But something I want to stress is that I don't personally find this to be a superhero movie. I think it's a superhuman hero movie, which I want to get into more a little bit later on. But Tori, I wanted to hear your thoughts since you did watch the movie. But I also wanted you um, to think about the qualities of a superhero. And so I, I sent out this like really obnoxious agenda of what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> and in there, I talked about the, the qualities I think a superhero has. And Connor, you had done this in your movie about Hellboy and, and you kind of went through all of these things. And so for me, I feel like there's really specific things I want to talk about. But Tori, I was wondering if like you thought the same or like how yeah. you're thinking about this. <clears throat> well, uh, I, I adore you and love you very much. And I know that you would not have chill for this. So I want to be able to like first talk about some like things that I think are my more critical comments about this movie and then move on to things I like about it. And then we can go more into critical stuff if you would like to. But um, I think a big thing for me is that I... I feel like I didn't watch this at the right time because, um, and I've heard this from a couple other people of how 
this movie was like so impactful when it first came out because it was really like a standout in the Marvel universe because of how like good, how well done it was and everything. Um, where now there are a lot other st- of standout movies like in my head as far as like the way like it looks and the the feel of it and stuff like Black Panther and Ragnarok are like definitely two of my favorites for those reasons. And so first I wish I had seen it earlier and also had seen it in theaters um, are two things that I feel like I probably like really missed the boat on. Um no, I, I did like this movie a lot, um, but I think it had been built up so much by everyone saying it was one of the I'm best. Sorry. And it's sorry. not even just you. It's not even just you guys. Like, this is usually, like, pretty high up for a lot of people, um, but upon rewatches has definitely changed, especially as, like, we've gotten some of these, like, newer movies, too. Um I, I really did like this movie. Um, it felt a little too long, but I also feel like that way with a lot of these movies sometimes where I'm like, oh, if you just I mean, I, I like an hour and a half long movie. That is for <laughs> sure my my feels. Um, and we talked about this a little bit where I'm like, if they just, <laughs> just cut like 10 minutes of those fucking uh, ships falling. <laughs> such a funny critique. They just keep cutting back to these ships falling. <laughs> and oh, from like, the, the sky. Carrier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just keep laughing, and I was like, why? Wait, no, the the thing I was pissed off about that scene is, in D.C., the Potomac River is not that wide. And I was like, how many people are going to die from these ships falling from the sky? Yeah. And somehow, conveniently, they all fall into this very, very wide Mm -hmm. Potomac River. It's like like wider than the Delaware. Yes, it's like wider than the Atlantic Ocean. So how dare you, Marvel, for for those both reasons, obviously. Um, so yeah, those are, those are the things for me overall where, um, you know, like the, the look of like the way the movie, it looks like it's well shot and everything, but it does have that kind of like, I I don't want to even say dull, but it's like how these other, uh, Marvel movies are trying to look where it's like, yeah, we're real and gritty, even though we're like still dealing with superhero stuff. Like one of the things like Garrett and I talked about yesterday after seeing, um, Shazam was like, it was a, um, it was a comic book movie that wasn't afraid to look like a comic book movie, which I really enjoyed. And I felt very similarly with like Spider-Verse and mm-hmm. even Ragnarok, like the colors in that are very vibrant and like really and Black Panther, like all of them look like really amazing. Um, and so that was like definitely like a thing for me. Um, but I I did really like this movie a lot. Um, also, just because um I was definitely one of those people at the beginning seeing the first Avengers movie thinking that um, uh, Cap was the the boring one and was the blind patriot and all of these things. And I was like totally within that camp of like, you know, my own biases of just assuming what he represented as opposed to like actually hearing like what he represented. And even though it's not a great movie, when I saw... Um, uh, Civil War, that's when I really realized, like, the the ethical um, dilemmas between different characters, specifically Cap and Tony, and realizing that I was, like, much more in the, the camp boat, and or Cap boat, uh, and <laughs> this is the movie that really made me um, even see that more, uh, where 
this is more like a spy thriller kind of movie. Like you, you mentioned that it doesn't feel like a superhero movie, um, both like Sam and also just with like the reviews. And it does kind of have more of like a Jason Bourne kind of mm. like Mission Impossible-y kind of feel to it for sure, uh, which I really dug. Um, and they keep giving this idea of, um, you know, Cap is like working for... Um, why am I what shield shield Shield, thank you yeah um I'm just not (laughs) I'm just not doing this right at all um he's working for shield and they keep bringing up the difference between soldiers and spies uh about like the the trusting people having like this camaraderie and like fighting for what's good versus like spies who are usually like loners and all of these things and cap obviously is like a soldier and wants to have those relationships and has a very specific idea of like what is right and is very much against these government agencies that are doing shady shit. Um, and obviously has problems with shield before you realize spoiler alert that shield is like actually, uh, been infiltrated by Hydra for as long as it's existed for the most part, (laughs) which is like every time they like do that, like they whisper in each other's ears. Ew. (laughs) Gross. Yeah, so icky. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I I really like him, and I kind of that idea you brought up. I think he really does em- embody like a, a superhero to to me because the whole movie is just like very like kind of anti government agency, and like even the scene where fucking. Um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is like in that chase scene. Oh, it's so he's just good. fucking mowing down cops, and mm-hmm. I, I was that so scene is so interesting, so into that part where it's like it because the way it starts is very much like mm-hmm. a this is a cop like pulling over a black dude, and it feels that way. And I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but at least for me, that's how it felt. It's so funny you bring that up because I watched I recently watched the movie two or three days ago. And I did not pick up on that watching it in theaters or like watching it with friends. Like yeah. this is the first time, which probably just shows more of like how my cultural awareness mm. has grown of like, yeah, he's like fucking up cops and they're like eyeing him yeah. before. Like, so tap. Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting it's you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, and that was a part for me where I was like, fuck yes. Like I am here to watch you do this. This is incredible. Um, I actually thought that, um, Uh, Chris Evans like was fantastic and his performance was fantastic. And he, I think really carried the movie until, um, some more dynamic, interesting characters were brought into it. Because you can say Anthony Mackie. It's how much are we allowed to reveal? He's fantastic. Everything. Everything. Great. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it by now. <laughs> Anthony Mackie is fantastic. Um, you're introduced to him as just like just a soldier, but he like runs like a group uh, full of other people who are dealing with PTSD, which obviously Cap is dealing with. And you know, I, I think that's a very true statement. That's what I took from it. And I think that's why he's also drawn to to Mackie in the first, his character in the first place is kind of this like bonds that they have as soldiers dealing with same kind of trauma. Um, is he in the other Avengers movies? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, he's like briefly in Age of Ultron. Ugh. He's he's underserved. Can he get he's his so, own movie? Oh, so so they are. Yes. So in Marvel's new streaming, well, in Disney's new streaming service, they're doing a, a Falcon and Winter sh- Soldier show. I, I just want to see him, and I want to <laughs> see him in his Falcon suit, just 
doing everything. I mean, he's dope. He's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. And I view this movie also as an origin story of the next Captain America because, like, I think that I don't think Cap is gonna die. I, it, that might be more wishful thinking. Um, but if someone is going to pick up the shield, I think that the only logical mm. answer is Sam, mm-hmm. um, which is Anthony. Mackie's I was thinking character. about that when watching this movie too, where I was like, I can see you being the person to like, you know, take on this responsibility mm-hmm. after Chris Evans' cap is like gone potentially. Um, but I thought he was really great. I thought Robert Redford did a really good job too. Um, I think Samuel Jackson's always very entertaining in these movies, but um, Falcon and you know um, Samuel Jackson are both like not in it for a decent amount of that movie. Um, and so it's really Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson, which I also have a bias because I don't like Scarlett Johansson. I don't think she's a great actress, which uh, well, I've heard one great. painful scene. Yeah, there's there's a couple painful but, but scenes. But one in particular, when I had rewatched it recently, I went, ooh, this is not good. It's right when Steve goes back to the hospital to pick up a flash drive, mm. and he sees that it's gone, and he pulls Black Widow into a room, and like you can tell they are just fucking reading a script. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God. One, okay. One thing that I read was that they actually wrote a lot of their own dialogue together. That, I mean, that makes oh, a lot of sense. So perhaps not reading a script, but doing something that was, like, scripted in the moment. Because, mm. huh. like, that felt a lot. Yeah, I... Which, like, you know, Garen and I argue, argued a little bit because he likes Scarlett Johansson. I have never really been a fan of hers. I don't think she has a a large range as far as, like, an actor goes. Um, but I also don't think that her character is that great. Like, I don't think they have written a good female character. I mean, Marvel has a female problem in general, I think, um, which has only, I think, recently really been, I don't want to say remedied, but helped by or, like, boosted by movies like Captain Marvel and also all of the fucking badass women they introduce in uh, Black Panther. And Jessica Jones. And Jessica Jones. And Jessica Jones. Thor Ragnarok. I mean, Valkyrie. Holy Mm. shit. Valkyrie, too. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Tessa Thompson's fantastic. But she's also just an amazing actress. And what Mm. she, like, Brie Olsen, too, is a fantastic actress. And um, uh, Lupita and I forget some of the other women's names and I feel horrible. But, like, all of them are are really great, and she's just very, very bland. And especially as, like, one of the only main, like, female characters, like, in the Avengers to begin with, you're like, damn, we, we, deserve, we deserve something a little bit better. Um, so it's unfortunate that it's just the two of them, because it means that he's, I think, is even doing more work to carry that whole fucking sequence of just them on the run together. And she has such a complex story, right? She worked for the KGB, and then... She's now. She does like, have a very, and it could have been more interesting. It just she wasn't. Went, like the Black Widow went through a character rewrite between Iron Man two and Avengers one. That like I don't understand. I, I place a lot of the blame in Joss Whedon's court. <laughs> we were just what talking were about the that changes earlier? that yeah. were made. So, like, she had, like, if you watch Iron Man 2, she's got a lot of personality. She's, like, she's really animated. And then you get a character who's, like, stiff as a board, Mm. which I I think that they do a disservice to Scarlet, though I I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have my own biases, but I just, in general, don't think, like, they've written a great character for these, for these movies. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff that's doing. Oh, um, so the 
the machine kind of thing that they're talking about. I forget what the it's helicare. called. The helicarriers. Okay. Um, and so the Project whole point is that they're Insight. evaluating people. Project Insight. Sorry. So they're evaluating people's like past to predict their future behavior. Yeah. Uh, which is very much the plot of Minority Report. So Minority yeah, Report. So but it's also. Which is interesting. It's also the plot of real life. So. Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, but no, I don't mean it. I don't mean it like that. But I mean like this movie came out in a time period when we still had President Obama and we still had drone strikes. Mm. Yeah. And so no, like. We still have drone strikes. Well, right, right. But like. <laughs> But they were kind yeah. of a, a newer thing that people were learning about and people were thinking, oh, shit, this is terrible. Yeah. So, like, it what really was mm-hmm. based off of real life, which yeah. is something that I love because Captain America says, this isn't freedom, this mm-hmm. is fear. And yeah. he's 100% right. Yeah. For sure. This is also a movie where you get, like, legit good fucking fight scenes, which is one of the first things that drew me to this movie and made me want to watch it in the first place because Sam suggested that I watch the elevator scene, uh, which since then I have watched multiple times um, and have also watched the video of Chris Evans doing, like, the stunts, like, without any Mm -hmm. of the extra shit, just, like, him doing those scenes. And it's really awesome to, like, watch those things because, honestly... Like fucking of the first Avengers and Avengers, um, Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. I'm like they're fucking fighting CGI aliens, just a shit ton of them, and I don't care. <laughs> like I just don't give a fuck. Chris Evans also does a really great job of like in those fight scenes, but even before like the additional effects are added, when it's strictly practical effect and choreography, um, of bringing a real presence to the character, mm. despite like you know doing rather complex blocking and choreography like the this facial expression and this kind of like uh, air of tenacity that he brings to the character yeah uh even before additional cg effects are added is really really tangible and really good his facial expressions are great especially in that elevator scene and he does most of his stunt work and the reason being the director of captain america the first avenger was like we try to get a stuntman in here. He can't run like Chris. You could tell it's not him. Hmm. So most of the things you see is Chris doing. And the scene at the very beginning of Winter Soldier where they <laughs> hop on he's the Lemarian star. When he's running, but that's funny. But also when they're doing that en scene when he's like, we'll see. And he takes off the helmet. Right. 90% of that is Chris. Mm. The only part that's not is when he does like the, the kickflip in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only part that that is his stunt double who has been his stunt double for a while and he seems like a really great person who does like a lot of the choreography so like blessed Mm. him as well well what's great about that scene is you have uh batrock the leaper who's the most ridiculous like spider-man villain that's ever existed (laughs) just like a french man in a purple unitard who steals jewelry and throughout this movie and the russo brothers are so good at taking these like tiny little comic book characters and then just giving like here's a reference to this person but is he he robert redford's like number two guy who keeps appearing so batrock the leaper is the french pirate at the beginning of the movie and then crossbones is sort of like hydra He's Brock He's Rumlow. like the Hydra muscle, right? The, yeah. Which, uh, like, that dude is just, that's just his Frank thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I get, I, Frank Rillo is such a comic book villain name. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, Brock Rumlow is, like, whatever, but, like, Frank Rillo, that's, like, Crossbow's real name. He looks like a villain, too. Yeah. Right. He, like, everything about him, you're like, yeah, you're, you're a fucking bad dude. And Even think, when you're being good, you're bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Roosters just do such a good job with, like, the the right amount of fan service without really like taking it too far. 
I agree. And um, I think that there are some things the Russos have done that hasn't really been repeated. Um, but it's it in in like Civil War and then the previous or the subsequent Avengers. Um, but is is really identifying like why Captain America is this superhero or superhuman hero. Mm-hmm. So, Connor, you went through your list of like superhero characteristics. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of wanted to go through mine and like why I love Captain America so much. So for me, and I think we've heard this a lot now, Christine, you mentioned it a lot in your reviews, is this vulnerability of Steve Rogers and him being so human. And when you see that in comparison to the hypermasculinity in the various other Marvel superhero characters that like Tony Stark, like even Thor a little mm. bit and some of like the uh, Star-Lord and some of the other characters. I mean, Thor in like mythology is, oh, right, is right, right, right. that's like his whole thing. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. underneath that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, this character really runs the risk of falling into this toxic masculinity of just being like, oh, I'm like one way of thinking and it's my way or the highway and I'm like super buff and blah, 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 whatever. Gotta punch everybody. But you see like, Chris Evans bringing this like really sensitive and, and tender aspect where like he cries in the first Avenger and it's so fucking well done (laughs) and in even in um and especially in the winter soldier so for instance there's are there are a few scenes that i'm like i weep over every time so all of his interactions with peggy in the winter soldier um i cried uh, when they when he was visiting her in the hospital i for sure cried i mean she's really his grounding force in all three movies i'm gonna push back theoretically for I'm going to push back on you a little bit, and we'll call it the World War threesome, because yes, Peggy Carter, but also Bucky Barnes. But yeah, I was going to say, also, like, I think one of the reasons why he is vulnerable and why this is great is because it's also a little bit of a secret gay movie, which I love secret gay movies. That's the theme. (laughs) But also, like, it's like him and Bucky, but, like, you don't get a ton of Bucky in this movie, except for flashbacks. Yeah, spoilers, the Winter Soldier is Bucky Barnes. Whoa! (laughs) Go back to the comics. But, like, also, like, him and Falcon are also a little bit secret gay together yeah, too kind of and i'm okay with it but but yes there yes. is this but yeah he's like his person right and so the the screenplay writers marcus and mcfeely they actually wrote an introduction to captain america white so with all of like the the big marvel characters they released a, a book called like spider-man yellow or like so on and so forth and they did captain america white and all of the ones including captain america have been about their greatest love Mm. and captain america white was about bucky barnes and in the introduction they call bucky his soulmate essentially in a way or another and i think that that is so true not necessarily for like the secret gayness because i think that's there and if Marvel, they weren't cowards, they would actually do something about it. Like in fucking Planet Hulk Secret Wars, the artist actually drew them holding hands at the very end. But then Marvel, that's like, why no, we need uh, Tessa and Brie to get together. But mm. I also think that this is showing intimate male relationships that you don't see very often. And yeah. it's so important for young men and like young boys to see that it is okay to have these really open and really like 
touch relationships with like pl- platonically with your other fellow peers, fellow boys that yeah. like you don't see that. You don't see it in Iron Man. You don't really see it in Thor that much. So like even if it's just platonic, this relationship is so entirely important. There's the flashback of him after his parents died. His mom, yeah. His mom. Um and I don't remember the exact dialogue and you might be able to. Um yeah. but like he's basically like, you know, he's at that point like pretty scrawny, which is funny because even when he first is introduced in this movie as Captain America, he still looks scrawny compared to what he looks like now because he's fucking buff as shit right now. Um, But he, you know, at that point is still like the CGI super scrawny like Chris. Oh, they CGI scrawned him? Yeah, but it looks so much better than it did in First Avenger. It looks so much better. Oh, they scrawned him already. Oh, they scrawned him so good. That's incredible. It looks pretty real. Well, at least I haven't seen the first one. It looks a little weird, but it's it's fine. He's so teeny. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is basically saying like he can be alone. He doesn't like need him. And I think that's also just like the insecurity of like being kind of a small person at that point and part of that character of like, no, it's like fine. Like I don't like need you, but like Bucky's like pretty like, you know, unrelenting as far as like, no, like we're, I'm going to spend the night. Like we're going to like sleep over and just like be together. And like, and he knows where his house key is under that brick. And he also says, the line that my best friend and I say to one another all the time with which is I'm with you to the end of the line yeah. so Jen love you very much yeah. mm-hmm. um, but but yeah right so like yeah. that scene is so important and there are these moments like when Cap goes back to Camp Lehigh and that's where he trained and so he sees this vision of himself and he has that moment that like also makes me cry because he's still really dealing with PTSD and the fact that like okay so he was born in 1917 so he presumably gets involved in the war in like the 40s and like is maybe 26 when this is happening he's 26 27 mm-hmm. i'm right around that age right now and to have all that fucking weight on my shoulders at 26 or 27 no thank you and right now especially like you there's a part of towards the beginning where he's going through a museum exhibit that is about him and about mm-hmm. his life um and you you know it's not very well designed because you just hear the sound following him wherever he's Voiced going and you're Sinise. just like I know right the randomest thing of course no but of course it'd be Gary Sinise sorry I also to love Gary Sinise yeah, but no too. I was just like if I was in an exhibit I would be very confused as to why this was designed the way it was but like he's he, it's him and yes like Peggy is still alive, but she is an old woman, and, like, he doesn't have much attachment except the people he knows now, and most of those are, like, government officials who he's working with who clearly, like, doesn't have, like, a close relationship with because, like, they can't all really trust each other, and he is, like, clearly looking for a... A, a bond again with like a real person and I think he finds that a bit in Falcon which is like why like their connection like at the very beginning they're talking to each other and like seem to have like a relationship but then like realizing Bucky's alive is like even that much more important than just like if that happened like if he hadn't been transported to another time you know because mm-hmm. like he doesn't really have any other connections um, and this is someone who obviously can understand the same shit that he went through because he's also like been frozen in time and is the same age and all this stuff which is some, when you want to talk about gay undertones when <laughs> Natasha's trying to set him up and he's like oh, I'm trying to look for someone with similar life experience and you fucking introduce like his best friend oh from my God. like 
when they when they when they kiss to like throw the people looking for them off and she's like is that the first time you've kissed someone since the 40s i was just like oh <laughs> yeah i get that all the time <laughs> but uh, go ahead i just wish bucky got better treatment later on as far as I feel like in other movies, because I feel like Captain America Winter Soldier falls victim to being chipped away by subsequent Avengers and Marvel movies of it's like all that set yeah. up mm. with shield. Oh, like, you're so right. Yeah. So I wrote down a little list in Age of Ultron. Nick Fury is back. Mm-hmm. That's the next movie that comes out. Maybe what? Nine months Which, later. Which like the cap, like cap his whole thing in this movie is straight up like burn it down. We're right. yeah. Like we're getting rid of Hydra, but you guys fucking suck too, and we're getting rid of like a shield. All of it's going going away. And we Break still the wheel, don't to quote know. Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, and we still and you're you're so absolutely you are like right. th- like this movie is sacrificed at the altar of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like Fury um, in his disguise at the end, where he's just wearing like a hoodie or something, yeah. and you're like, okay, yeah, you're you're in disguise. <laughs> to be now. fair, the Marvel disguise outfit is a hat and sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, so. Go ahead. I was going to say, and then the at the end of Age of Ultron, guess who saves the day? Shield helicarriers. Mm-hmm. Now, in Agents of Shield, <laughs> they push did my glasses so up. Well. They do such a good job yes. explaining it, and it makes so much sense. But as someone who just is watching a movie, it makes zero sense mm-hmm. for the continuity. Yeah. In Winter Soldier, in a Civil War, Bucky's just a plot device. I know. He is reduced to a two-dimensional plot. So device. he reappears. They don't let him that, in Civil that War. actor do much. Either. He does, and Sebastian Stan is so good. That, I mean, it's it's almost there. It's mm-hmm. almost, and it would have been if they didn't make it Avengers two point. 2.5. Also, you know what? To be totally honest, they do with him what they do with a lot of fucking female characters where they're just a device for someone else. And so I think that's how he's treated a lot of the time, too, is like he's not very developed. He isn't given a ton to do because he's really just like, you know, a a piece for Cap to like, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's easy. His emotional tether. Yeah, yeah. it's the it's the tether. And like he isn't treated like an actual three dimensional character. And it's easy to have that be the punching bag by the time you get the civil war mm-hmm. yeah because uh, you're like you know bucky my boyfriend my boyfriend is like a very common right because internet. they have that even with frank grillo and right. crossbones when he's like your buddy your bucky oh, don't you dare talk shit on crossbones i'll talk all the shit i want on crossbones. Um, yeah and then the final the final i was so surprised that captain marvel did this but spoilers for captain marvel mute it for the next 30 seconds goose the cat is the reason why Nick Fury loses his eye. I know. So in Winter Soldier, when Nick Fury says, last time, last time I trusted someone, oh, I lost an eye. And in Captain Marvel, that moment works perfectly. But looking back at Winter Soldier, you're like, you trusted a fucking cat and lost your eye. Which, this is going to happen yeah. when you decide. I mean, yeah. it happens with TV shows all yep. the time, where you go back to like early seasons and you're like, oh yeah, this doesn't make sense because you've like, decided to be like, eh, well, people won't notice that. We'll just, like, keep going forward and, like, write this however we want to. And that's what's happening to this now, because it's been going on for as long Mm -hmm. as it's had, have, and you, like, you decide all of these things need to be connected. So, you know. Now, now this is TV. (laughs) Which is a super fascinating way to make movies. It's, it's weird. It it results in things like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It results in other things like Hans, like the Solo movie. Yeah. In a way, where it's like, Oh, I guess, uh, I don't know, his last name is Solo because he was alone at the time and it's a bureaucratic thing and who 
gives a shit. No one ever asked for this. <laughs> Which, like, I blame... General assessment of Honestly, Solo. I blame the Mar- like Marvel, you know, in general, for the reason why, like, I don't think, like... I-, I really did like this movie a lot, but I was, like, so ready for this to be, like, my fucking favorite. And then it's because I'm so fatigued by the other shit they keep throwing at me mm-hmm. that it's, like hard for these standout ones to really like you know same with star wars yeah yeah yeah. and i think that's pretty that like there are so many still really good marvel movies Mm -hmm. and i hope that with with the infinity saga ending after 22 movies that they'll look at what dc's been doing and now that they have the x-men and the fantastic four that they'll create something that's a little less like use the last movie to promote the new one and do I just think between Star Wars and Marvel, Disney is not going to pump the brakes ever. They're just going to yeah. keep churning these out, and the quality will continue to dip, I think, is, is something that we might say. But I don't know if the quality of Marvel movies has dipped. It's ebbed and flowed, but I think generally, as we would... Well, we, maybe that's not what it is, but I mean just sort of like um, general fatigue among the the folks who weren't so much raised in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I think this... the problem with Marvel is not that it, like, dips. It's that... Some in the middle aren't great, but they're like, eh, it doesn't have to be great. People are still going to see it, and hopefully the next one will be good. And that's how it feels a lot of the time when those movies come out for me. Well, I also wonder if, like, comics that just go on forever Mm -hmm. and ever, that it's just these movie manifestations of these stories are our day and age's sort of serializing these stories that will Mm. just keep, 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 keep going, like, since... The development of Captain America, you know, decades mm. ago just keeps on going. People tune in, they tune out, they see how the characters change and pass stories on mm-hmm. to other characters. And it's a big budget way of doing it. It's a <laughs> hundred million. I know, which like is crazy, but I just, yeah, because I'm like, people are, I'm sh- assuming still doing comic versions mm-hmm. of a lot of these characters and people mm-hmm. want to read them or they don't. Um, some stories are more compelling than others, but... And what's different about doing something in a comic book way is comic books are pretty cheap to create. And, like, pretty quickly you can revise, like, based on audience feedback or... But when you have a six-month film shoot with for a $200 million movie and then you have three other $200 million movies coming up, it's very hard mm. to and course correct. And roles and so on. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where it's like you're you're going into Infinity War knowing they're working on a Spider-Man movie, and well, it doesn't Well, that's what matter. Brie Larson, she, she filmed Endgame before she did Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, a year and a half before they filmed Captain Marvel. So Which like, is why she's got long fuck? hair, and then doesn't have long hair later. <laughs> Which I made a note of when I watched the end of that. <laughs> And I think she expressed, like, the challenges of acting with that. Because I think she said she didn't have much to go off of for yeah. Endgame. So. Yeah, she didn't. Um, not to cut this conversation yes, short, no, yeah. but just because I, I like, I do want to do service to this movie. Just to go back to qualities of a superhuman hero. So we talked about him being, like, vulnerable and human and not really dealing with that toxic masculinity. Um, struggling with real human problems like PTSD and depression and identity. Um he has this really great line with Peggy where he says, for as long as I can remember, I just wanted to do what is right. I guess I'm not quite sure what that is anymore. And I thought that I could throw myself 
yourself back in and follow orders, serve, but it's just mm. not the same. And I think that that is, it just really encompasses his whole struggle throughout the film. Um, and also, like, he does have these emotional tethers to Peggy and to Bucky and to eventually Sam. And that's so important because ultimately his biggest superhuman hero power is his overall belief in people. And we see that so many times. So he gives a great speech at the end of um, Winter Soldier. He also does in Civil War where he says, um, uh, I never really fit in anywhere, even in the army. My faith's in people, I guess, individuals. And I'm happy to say that for the most part, they haven't let me down. But this is when it really, like, Marcus and McFeely really come in because this is very similar to how he is in the comics. One of his most iconic lines I I wrote down, and I'm going to read, because it's so great, which is, I believe in an idea, an idea that a single individual who has the right heart and the right mind that is consumed with a single purpose, that one man can win a war. Give that one man a group of soldiers with that same conviction, and you can change the world. And so, like, if this is the one recurring theme of this character, I think it's the most compelling and the strongest thing out of all the superheroes that we see and interact with in Marvel. Which you need in like a, you know, in a group of people who are all just like, we're loners, you know, where it's like, Mm -hmm. you do need that one person who is, I guess, like the champion for the people, Um, which, you know, like as, you know, I think honestly, like the more I have watched these movies and although as I have said I am just like Marvel fatigued um, one thing that is definitely stuck with me like is Cap specifically and his like ideas and um, you know kind of his like ethics because I think that's much more like in line like with my beliefs and stuff where I'm like I'm glad to see that they've like written this character really well and like are doing service to said character um Because, like, you know, like, Iron Man came out, I really liked that, I followed that through, and it's, like, not, like, I don't feel that connection at all. And I don't feel, like, a connection with, like, a lot of these. They're fun, but they're not great as, like, standalone people. Um, But I think, like, Cap specifically is someone who is, like, good at even just, like, being, like, a standalone character, um, which is, like, pretty cool. So um, he's definitely my favorite out of of the Avengers, which is... um, which is, like, pretty pretty fun to see because this is, like, this is something that I think is, like, very quality within this, like, universe. Um, and, you know, in, like, recent stuff, too, they've, like, tried to tackle more about, like, racial, like, racial stuff and, like, Black Panther was such a big deal. Um, and, like, having, you know, this you know, Captain Marvel, even though it wasn't, like, a great movie, like, you do still have, like, a really badass female character who is, like... Um, fighting fucking expectations and not gonna like give in to what men tell her to do and so I hope that if if uh, Cap is you know no longer going to be with us that (laughs) they are able to find other people to kind of like take some of the things that he represents and like put them into I will say that Chris Evans has said that Endgame is the closing arc of Cap's story. So it is it brings his whole story to an end. So I'm hoping that means they do a better service to him than every other movie has since Winter Soldier. Yeah. I think, Which I think oh No, go ahead. Just really quickly, I think it also connects to this idea of because in your notes you were like, what does it look like to like be a com- like a commander, a leader, and like his presence is somewhat of a supporting actor, yet he is so strong and he can take charge and like 
win in a fight scene, but also like looks to the support of others and um, can can kind of like be supporting the people he cares about in his life. And it just makes me think of this like idea that like powerful or like strong leaders, teachers, whatever can ultimately become obsolete because they have like supported the people around <laughs> them. And I think it's so fitting for him to like suggest that there, there will be a final end point to his like role in all of this as he like sort of falls back, but like having done what he can and supporting the people around him, which I think is like one of the most compelling characteristics that like somebody mm -hmm. who's looked to as a leader can have. Um, and yeah, maybe Chris Evans is also like done with. Stop making me weepy, Chrissy. <laughs> I mean, endings are good. The more we continue on with things, like they, you know, Downton Abbey shouldn't have lasted oh, yeah. as long as it did. But then you we wouldn't have had I mean? Matthew like, Good coming I, back to Matthew Good. They, they, <laughs> Full circle here. They were able to like stitch the the you know the wound, but they didn't like you know make it better. Like things. If you can give something a really good ending as opposed to dragging it out longer just for the sake of, like, dragging it out longer, then, like, I think that's, like, better. Mm -hmm. Just something that makes me, this is really quick, that makes me super excited for Endgame is, you know, um, like, the op the first teaser was him at, like, um, like, some kind of, like, group of people who've lost others. Mm -hmm. And him, like, trying to help people who lost those from the Thanos snap so I think the fact that like the first teaser like opened with that I think speaks a lot to what Cap is going to be doing in Endgame yeah hmm. well the last thing I'll say which we didn't get to but honestly the score of this movie is fucking amazing mm. Henry Jackson you are incredible um, listen to it Thing, the songs that like make me weepy and cry the Smithsonian Fury and End of the Line please if you want to listen to them and you'll really understand the movie um, any last thoughts anything we didn't cover or are we good I didn't realize Chris Evan and Jessica Biel dated before cellular. <laughs> okay. And there you go. And that's a good note to end on. No, no, that's not, that's an aside. <laughs> well, well, all right. And we know how that <laughs> ended. Um, anyway, we'll be back with um, an interesting end to this episode. Hi, this is Stan Lee, your host. Boy, I've always wanted to say that. You know... Captain America is a real sentimental favorite of mine because it was the first character that I wrote when I started in comics. Cap was created by two very talented guys, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, and they're the fellows who hired me. And when I came to work for Marvel, which then was called Timely Comics, they said, how would you like to write Captain America? I was thrilled, because as a reader, I loved that character. Captain America was a product of World War II. We were fighting the Nazis. It was a life and death struggle. And the one thing that apparently Joe and Jack felt and, and the whole comic book industry felt was that somehow we needed a hero, somebody to represent the, the fight of liberty versus tyranny. And we 
And Joe and Jack created this character with the red, white, and blue costume, the little wings on his head. I never quite knew what they represented. And um, he, he was just so beautifully drawn, and the stories were so exciting. And then to think that I had a chance to write them, well, that was great. Hey, welcome back to Butter With That. So instead of doing a whiteboard question, I thought it would be fun for us to find out which Marvel character we are. So we all just sat through this quiz that told us who we are. So who would like to go first? We're going to put that on our socials, right? That link probably? Yeah. So that you folks at home can test as well. And mm-hmm. email us your results. Um, so it's uh, based on a point system. I got uh, 2,000 and therefore was Thor. Hmm. Had some pretty interesting implications therein. I don't know. Uh, it, the one, the description of Iron Man right before it seems maybe a little more accurate to me, but uh, Thor is what I got. Feels like you're on the cusp, maybe. <laughs> I got 1,500 and I got Iron Man. Sure. I'm quippy, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got 2,100 and I am also Thor, supposedly. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. I also got 2100 and I'm Thor. Whoa. Did you pick horses too? <laughs> I didn't pick horses, but somehow I got to that 2100. <laughs> it's so interesting that like when we take these quizzes, more than half of us get the same answer. It's so fascinating. There's always one outlier. There's always What'd one outlier. Get? I got Captain America. So no way. No way. <laughs> Um, it's a really great quiz. I recommend because all the other ones suck because you know exactly who you're answering for. So um, we will leave the link everywhere we post. So take it and let us know what you got. I hope you yeah. enjoyed this episode. Anyone want to plug anything before we say goodbye? Let us know what you think of Avengers because they'll be out already. That's true. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing for movie night by the time this airs because <laughs> I don't remember dates. But it'll be something in June. No. Mm. We'll all... Of Game of Thrones have done been done. Yeah, no. Game of Thrones. Will yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yes, it will be. I don't know right? anything about Game of Thrones, Maybe? but let us no, know. It won't. It no, it won't be. <laughs> I don't know why I answered when I just said I didn't know anything. <laughs> It'll be almost done. And also next week, uh, for those of you turning in uh, to butter with that, we'll be doing uh, something a little different. We this is the end of our superhero month, so next month we're going to be doing something. Uh, uh, in celebration of a particular cinematic anniversary that I am very much looking forward to. Um, so we'll be doing that next time. Oh, not the big reveal. Mm-hmm. Gotta save it. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna pop right out of your chest and Listen surprise you. Email us and then, you know, guess. All mm-hmm. the guesses. Mm. All right, y'all. See you next week. Bye bye. You could even us. email us one of those Gmail uh, formulaic responses, like "Got it, thanks." <laughs> okay. And remember, if you're listening, you're listening till the end of the line. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, I love that. Dun, dun.